Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I just want to start off by saying it's really a privilege to be here. You guys look very different than you looked the last time we were here. Probably need to bring it down just a little bit. Yeah. Move that over for me. It's not going to slide. Yeah, thanks. And and I think um, if I could maybe take a second and describe what I mean by that is um, there's just a settling, and I don't mean Mm. in a bad way. I mean in a really healthy, good way, a solidness um, that, that you guys have all collectively worked under Jesse and Jessica's leadership to, to create this space that really is an overflow. And it, it's not just the name of this church, right. it is the mandate on this house. And I believe that with all of my heart, that what God's doing in this house is for you, but it's going to be through you. And so, just... Yeah, super fun to be here. I mean, we have, Jesse mentioned we were here, came in Wednesday, and we're here Thursday, Friday, and had a good full day yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's just always so exciting to us to see what God does in spite of who we are. You know, I mean, he's, he's given us a lot. We've, we've got, you know, some life experience. We've got some ministry experience. But, you know, really that in and of itself is nothing. We all, every one of us in the room have experience, and we can, you know, look at good things and bad things and just, you know, who we are. And we are significant as human beings, obviously. We're significant in the kingdom. But it's just amazing when we get together and we see actually the Lord show up in the place and actually begin to do things that are way beyond what we could do. And that's why we declare all the time, you know, it's just good. We don't need to rely on our own understanding, but that we can just acknowledge him and follow him and what he's doing. So it's super fun to be here. And uh, we're excited to be a part of what all's going on. It's been fun to watch even the progression of overflow as you guys have moved for the last you know, several years and actually been on the move a little bit until you settled here. So anyway, we just want to say thank you again to Jesse and Jessica, even though she's not in the room right now. We, uh, we have really loved them, and they have been a part of our hearts as well for a long time. Um, you know, we just want to say, as a mom and a dad, and and I think you know that is a that is a that is a place of honor mm. that you have bestowed upon us, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica, I don't know wherever you are, girlfriend, <laughs> somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, we we want you to know we feel it from you that you have wisdom beyond your years. You guys always have, but you've always come to us. And you've always drawn from us, and you've let us pour into you. And that has felt so honoring and such a gift. And we just want to say to you that that Jesse and Jessica have done a really great job as a mom and a dad of this house, mm-hmm. really, yeah. to have other mothers and fathers that they are connecting to, that they're drawing from, that they're being poured into by... Yeah. And we love it because we Skype with them every month, and they tell us 
all about what's going on and we get to walk with them in their marriage, what's going on for them in their family, and then what's going on for them in the church. And, and we just want you to know as a mom and a dad that we see you. Yeah. We know you. We love you. We are fighting with you. We are warring with you for this region, for your families, for your homes, for your businesses, for whatever environment that God's put you in to govern, he's given you authority. And you get to come here and drink from this well relationally. I want to say that as much as what you get from this house is, is more than what you're getting in the teaching, it's amazing. What these guys are building in this house, we travel all around the world. And these guys have made some very clear commitments to, to really do this well. And, and we just can't say enough about what God's, what God's doing. But, and you get to draw from that. That's a part of your building. That's a part of what God's building in you. He's using these classes. He's using these events. Don't take them for granted. Mm -hmm. Don't let other things be the priority in your life. Draw from what they are building in this house. It will teach you. It will guide you. It will nurture you. It will nourish you. But then second to that, what you get in this house relationally yeah. is a well. Mm -hmm. And you need each other. Who you are becoming, you are becoming because of your interpersonal relationships. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But I just, we just wanted to just say we see you as a mom and a dad. We love you. We bless you. We're with you. Yeah, it's such a privilege for us to be able to be a part of the leadership here, just in terms of having been invited by Jesse and Jessica to, to just be a part of somebody outside right here that can also step in and, and just be a part of overs oversight for the church and for them personally. Yeah. Can um, we just do this really quick yeah, before we get yeah, started? Quick, yeah. uh, from the weekend, we gave all the couples that came, uh, were part of their, their workbooks and stuff, was a feeling words card. This is the happy side. It looks happy. This is the crappy side. Because <laughs> on some days, you feel let down, disheartened, disillusioned, and distrusted. <laughs> um, we're, and then we also have them for the kids. And Holly was telling us um, last night, she was with which one of your boys? Titus. Mm. And instead of doing bedtime stories, they just used this. And they mm. just, she said, tell me a time that you felt like this. And identified the word and then they just and then Titus back to her mommy tell me a time <laughs> yeah, when exactly. you felt and she how long did you guys sit there Wow! back and forth this is a powerful mm -hmm. uh, tool if you're a grandparent you need one of these yeah. okay and on the back is three different ways that you can use this this is only three ways like this is not the be-all end-all this right. is just to get you started and you just be creative it's really about getting below the surface 
of doing of life and kind of our head thinking space and really getting down into our heart, which is really where the life of who we are flows out of. And so these are in the back at the one table. They're two for $5. They're in a box. And we'll just trust you to drop the money in there and take what you want. You can take two of one kind or one of each kind. Doesn't matter to us. And if you don't have any money and you want some, you take them. All right, good, good. Well, we're going to be looking today kind of just with, uh, one of the things I really love about Scripture is that, you know, if you take it literally and there is a translation from the Old Testament, you know, the Hebrew or in the New Testament Greek to what we're studying, we can kind of literally say there's one translation. Now, obviously, we have a lot of versions of the Bible, which are paraphrased and so on and so forth, but really just one translation. But listen, there are infinite numbers of applications. Right. I mean, you can read a scripture, and all of a sudden, you're in this season, and man, it fires something up for you right then. It speaks right. truth. You're ready to go for it. And that's why I love reading scripture, because it really, whatever season you're in, right. that's why it's the living, breathing word of yeah. God. Because it's just not a story that was in one context. It overlays on every culture, every context. And so we're going to look at Nehemiah today and kind of walk through some things. I want to just give you kind of a backdrop. But before I do that, Lorraine woke up the other day just having a sense of a, a particular direction in terms yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, so as we've been praying, we didn't want to just come and give you a message and teach a, a we didn't we didn't want to do that. We wanted to bring you a now word. Mm-hmm. We wanted to bring you really what is the Lord saying for you guys in this season at, at this time. And and Steve was just saying, you know, we, we had talked about really felt like the Lord was breathing on Nehemiah for you guys. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I woke up and, and I just it was... Ten, John 10, 10, over and over and over, I've come that, to give you life and life more abundantly. And we just began to talk about that. We began to look and realize that the whole backdrop of Nehemiah going to Jerusalem was really about him restoring a vision for abundance to God's people. Mm-hmm. And some of you, that's what you got on the weekend. You got you got a vision. You got a boost of what restoration in your marriage, what what health looks like in your marriage, and and how to do that. And we just feel like this is a very big word for the whole house. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to just g- jump out with this, and then Steve's going to just give you an overview. John ten ten from the Amplified Version. The first part, you know, it says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief does not come except to steal. In other words, the only things he can do are still kill and destroy. That that is like his the sum total of what what he offers. Okay, but okay, we we see clearly Jesus saying, "I came that you may have life and have and that you may have it more abundantly." The Amplified version says, "And I came that you may have life and have it to or in abundance to the full, till it overflows." And the word abundance in the Greek, um, parisos, is derived from the root word peri, which means all around excess. Mm-hmm. He came that you would have all around excess, more than, abundantly, beyond what is anticipated, exceeding your expectation going past the expected limit, more than enough, superabundant in quantity, and superior in quality, exceeding abundantly above, to have an advantage 
He came that you guys would have an advantage. <laughs> Superfluous. Like, we don't use that word, but that's like all this fluff and stuff. Like, he didn't come just so you have bread and butter. No, he came that you would have the fluff and stuff. <laughs> Excessive. Yeah. Over, oh. There Took go. me a while to figure it out, mm -hmm. but yes, overflow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well, that's the backdrop. That's the backdrop that we so want to. Work I want to just kind of lay a little bit of a context here for Nehemiah, just so you understand who we're talking about. Some do, and some have read this, and probably have have looked at a lot of it. Some maybe don't have a clue who Nehemiah really was. But the story of Nehemiah, actually, when you read it in Scripture, it takes place in a time of Israel's history. Actually, when the Israelites had been in captivity for seventy years. Now Nehemiah himself was born to parents that had already been in captivity. They were taken out of that uh, place and brought into Babylon in, under captivity, and that's where Nehemiah was born. So he was actually born into slavery, didn't really know anything about freedom until he actually got into his adult years. But as we're reading it, we see where he is now, what his station in life is now, and he's actually a cupbearer for the king. Now, cupbearer for the king is actually a super... Uh, close contact with, in fact, probably the closest contact that the king has and is a very trusted position because he's the one that's trusted to just really serve the king and actually taste everything so the king doesn't get poisoned. If somebody's going to go, it's going to be Nehemiah. And so he's in this place of real trust with the king. And the, the, the whole point here is that he has some friends or some people, acquaintance that came to visit him from Jerusalem. Now, Earlier on, Jerusalem, there were people that were starting to go back, and uh, one of the kings had actually given money so that the temple could be rebuilt. But the walls around the city that had been destroyed never were uh, reestablished or rebuilt. And so he hears what kind of state the, the Jewish people are in and the city of Jerusalem. Now, obviously, his parents probably did a great job of continuing to teach him who they were, what his, you know, the traditions of the people and what God's promises were to them, even though they were in captivity. So he had a real heart for his city and for his friends and for all of that. And so he was really burdened by what he was hearing. It just really struck a, a chord in him that was just so heavy. Now, here he is having to serve the king, and he's in the king's presence and he's got this long face, which is actually a sentence to death if you were to come before the king with that kind of an attitude. But somehow he decided, you know what, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to hide myself. I, I am just simply going to serve, and we'll see what happens. Well, the king obviously notices and goes, what's going on with you? You're not sick, are you? And then he begins to tell the king what's going on. How could I not feel this way? When my city, where the place where my ancestors are buried, is in ruin. And see, the whole point with the city walls not being a, a part of who they were, when a city was established in the Old Testament in those days, the city would start to get built, but it was never completed, and people would never go in and inhabit until the walls were completed. Because that provides a place of safety and security. And actually, it even goes farther than that. It has to do with their own pride and their dignity as people and who they were. So even though people had started going back and the temple was there, they were actually in survival mode. So they were not experiencing any kind of abundance. They were not experiencing life to the full. And Nehemiah, hearing that, obviously the compassion 
of Christ came over him, but even just his love for the city just moved him to do something. And so as soon as the king heard that and saw what was going on, it was interesting because rather than, you know, putting him to death or sending him out of the court, he just said, so what do you want? It's like king just said, yeah, yeah, what do you want? Tell me what's going on in your heart. What do you need? And Nehemiah just lays it out, says, well, I need letters, I need money, I need time, I need to be able to be released to go. And the king and his queen was there at the same time, and they said, well, how long will that take? And he gives them a time, and they say, okay, whatever you need, you got. And it's like so many times we come into a situation, and we don't know what we're going to do. We think we're going to be buried in, in the process, and God's just waiting for us to actually begin to move in a direction and ask because he has everything that we need. So it goes on to tell us, and we'll go through some scriptures to explain a little bit more. But he gets all of this. He gets the provision. He gets the authority. He gets the, the finance that he needs. Actually, he even gets protection. The king sends cavalry with him. So he's got officers that are with him to protect him, and they all go and do this thing. And then we hear that the wall then was completed and completely rebuilt in 52 days. Now, the interesting thing about this wall is that, you know, we think about, okay, 52 days, that's almost what, you know, not quite two months. And we can get a lot of building done in a couple of months when we're using jackhammers and chisels and booms and, you know, trucks and diesel, this and that and the other thing. They didn't have all that stuff. And we're talking about around the old city of Jerusalem, there was about a mile, well, almost two miles, I think it was 1.7 miles of wall that they reconstructed and there was somewhere around 10 gates that had to be redone there were eight towers that had to be redone and that wasn't just a single stone wall with that stuff if you go on back to I think it's chapter 12 when they talk about the dedication and the celebration that they did they had two big huge choirs and groups of people that were up on top of that wall that actually marched around this way and this way and came back around. So we're talking a huge, massive wall. So it really was miraculous that they were able to do it in 52 days. So we just want to look and walk through some scriptures. God kind of highlighted a few different things to us that we want to just point out as we go through that. And I want to just tell you that every person in this room, your need, your desire, the thing that's on your heart may be totally different from the person sitting next to you. Now, there is a corporate sense that we want to concentrate here with the body and how you all coming together can move forward and see what God's saying. But everything that is spoken right. about here can be individually applied to your circumstance. So just take that that's it. so you can apply it in that way. Yeah, that's, that's really what we felt like God had was that these things that we're going to highlight were for you personally, but they are for you corporately. So they may be for your business, they may be for your marriage, they may be for your family, they may be for uh, your business, but wherever this place of application is, we want you to grab a hold of the truths that are held in Nehemiah. So if you have your Bible, we would love it if you would just open that Bible <laughs> and go to the book of Nehemiah. It's just shortly before the book of Psalms, so it's not quite halfway. It's interesting because in those 52 days, um, that group of committed believers under Nehemiah's leadership overcame laziness, mockery, accusations, conspiracy, threats of physical attack, sheer exhaustion, overwhelm, 
And it was in that context that they experienced the miraculous. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so the, the first thought that we want to give you, the first thing that happens in chapter one is, you mentioned it, Steve, that somebody comes, who is it that comes from, I don't even have my Bible open, so yeah, I can't tell you friend, the names, because we have very is, yeah. loose notes. We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. A friend comes from home and says, this is what's going down. And in that moment, Nehemiah receives a revelation of need for something he loves. Mm -hmm. The scripture says in verse 4 that he weeps and he mourns. So it's not just that he feels sad. He is broken hearted. Absolutely broken hearted. And it says that he wept and he cried out to God. So the first thing is, is that we want you to just take a moment and let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord touch your heart. Let the Lord touch what you see, what you know, what you understand about something that you love, about this house, what God's doing in this move, about your leaders in this house, um, about your family, that God wants to increase and awaken the, the capacity for you to have compassion for that thing that you actually love. The interesting thing about that, too, is that Nehemiah says that he began to really pray and intercede and accept full responsibility yeah. for what the people had done against God that actually led to the invasion and the overthrow of Jerusalem. And the thing of it is, is that mm. he wasn't even born during that time. Okay, he was born later on, but because he, as a people, he was part of that and, and understood that it was all their responsibility. It wasn't one person that did something wrong or bad. We, and he was just praying in that way, me, my fathers, my, my relatives, we have sinned against God, mm -hmm. and we want to come and repent and mm -hmm. ask, and then did more than ask. He actually, in some ways took authority in that place in repentance and began to almost put a demand on God to mm -hmm. see the change happen. That's, That's it. And so then he goes, Steve talked about going to the king. So, so first of all, open your heart to a revelation and the compassion of Christ for that thing. Whatever that thing is, let him give you his heart for that thing. The second thing is he goes to the king. He steps into a place of accessing his favor. Mm-hmm. Some of you know you have failure and you're not accessing it. You're, you're holding back and you're waiting for something to happen. And I want to just give you a mama push today. I want to give you a mama bear push today. Where is the favor on your life? Mm -hmm. What is the favor that God has given you? What is it he has given you access to? Get into that place and take advantage of it. I love it. It says, because when the, when the king says, you know, what, make request of what you want, uh, uh, verse 4 in chapter 2, it says, um, the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, so that was pretty general, that you send me. Just I pray that you send me, okay? <laughs> then the king said to me, the queen, who also is sitting beside him, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? 
So it pleased the king to send me, and I set a time. So in other words, he was very specific about what he needed in terms of time away and the, the amount of time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through um, till I come to Judah. Some of you are not stepping and accessing the authority God's given you. And all you need to do is ask the Lord for a letter. All you need to do is ask him to release that authority that he's already made available to you. All you have to do is ask. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel. He didn't say, and it would be awesome if we could maybe cut down a few trees. He said, no. <laughs> give me. Everybody say, give me. Yeah. We have not because we are asking not. You need to say, Lord, give me that job. Mm -hmm. Give me that wife. Give me that husband. I got a word today. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I just really feel like um, there are singles in this house. You're going to find each other. When you guys as a house create this as a place of presence, it's going to draw really powerful young adults that are going to find their life partner in this house. <laughs> Everybody say, give me. Give me. <laughs> give me some lumber. Where am I at here? And the king granted to them according to me, good hand of my God upon me. So, so, so don't be afraid to ask the Lord exactly and specifically for what you need, the provision, the protection, the authority, the time, the space, the resources. You ask him, give me, Lord. Take advantage of the access you have, the favor that you have before the king. The interesting thing is, obviously, his heart was moved. And, you know, we teach people all the time that you need to keep your heart in an open position so that you're not just shutting off options because you want to be able to have and know that you have options. But at some point, you need to make a decision. That's it. And the decision is important. <laughs> and we tell people there is power in a decision. And That's when it. he made the decision to go, there was not going to be anything else. Basically, the word uh, decision means to cut off access to anything else. So all of a sudden, you can be open in the way that you're approaching things, but at the point you really have that revelation that comes, at the point you realize, no, something needs to be done, we are doing this thing. All of a sudden, all the other roads now are closed, yeah. and you are tunnel vision into this thing, and there's not anything. Somebody was singing it. Is there anybody or anything that's going to stop what God wants to do? Absolutely not. Right. Whoa. Okay. Um, in chapter 2, verse 10, right as soon as the decision is made, <laughs> what does it say? When Sanballat the Horonite, that even just that name sounds horrible, <laughs> and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Right. You see, the enemy only goes after those things that are threatening his kingdom. Mm -hmm. As soon as these guys... Their territory got threatened. Guess what they wanted to do? They wanted to bring opposition. You are not going to be able to take the land that God has for you and bring restoration, help, walk in your authority without opposition. So just get it settled. 
That's right. Okay? Mm-hmm. But with that, I want to say, that doesn't mean you're going to be battling every day. No, he already said it's finished. It is finished. It's already won. It is accomplished. So what you've got to be willing to do is position yourself in that place of complete victory. So when you're praying and you're speaking to the Lord, you're not asking him. No, you're, you're praying from heaven with the answer. You're actually releasing it. You're declaring it. You are, you are praying with the answer, not for the answer. Those times when you're silencing the voice of the enemy, you just say it to be so. I silence the voice of the enemy. And you don't have to yell. Mm-hmm. You make a simple statement because of that paper that represents the authority you have been given. It's interesting, when he went, it says that he went to uh, Jerusalem and he got there with his entourage and all the people traveling with him. And it says they just kind of hung out for about three days. They were just observing, they were watching, they were seeing what people were doing and they were just kind of, you know, being low key. Now obviously coming with a big entourage probably wasn't too low key, but he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) He didn't try to step in and do anything. And then, it, then he says, you know, at night on the third day, I got up at night so no one could really see what was going on. And a few of the men with him, and they went around, they started to survey the wall. Well, what's the point of that? Okay, he knew the walls were broken down. Why did he need to actually go out and look? Well, because you need to know specifically what you're faced with. You need to be able to actually survey the wall so that you know exactly what's going on. There were parts of the wall that were totally, utterly destroyed. There were uh, gates had been burned and were just laying in cinders. Other parts of the wall that maybe was still partially up, but there was rubble even on top. There was a place where it says he only went with one animal, the one he was riding, and at one point he couldn't even get through. There was so much rubble. Okay, what does that tell you? It tells you that you can't start building until you clear some of that rubble out of the way. You cannot build something that's going to be solid if you're building on top of rubble. So you've got to know what's in the way before you can actually build something. You need to be able to go in there and get it all cleared out, sweep it clean so you can start with a fresh foundation and then begin to build something that's going to last. For you, for some of you, the rubble is your unbelief. For some of you, your rubble is your past failed failures. For some of you, the rubble is unforgiveness, resentment. For some of you, it's disappointment. Some of you are stuck in a place of grieving something you've lost, and grieving is a very important part of processing pain and heart and and loss in your heart, but you can't stay in a place of grieving, or you get stuck in a place of desperation and devastation. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to assess the wall. What kind of damage? Where is there? Where is it that God wants to touch? What is it he's building? What, what am I needing to put my hand to? And what do I need to get cleared out of the way so I can actually start a building process? What are the lies that I've believed that's keeping me back from stepping forward? That's it. There's all kinds of rubble. And God, by his grace, will always show us what we need to know. Now, obviously, after he took and, and looked at what needed to happen, there was a call that went out. Basically, he just rallied people together and said, hey, we're in a bad place, but this is not where we're going to stay. And all of a sudden, he, as a leader, someone taking authority to come in and say, I have seen with my own eyes, 
God has shown me, and we can do this. And there was a rallying call, and everybody at that point was saying, okay, yeah, no, we can do this, we can do this. And they rallied together, and they began to clear that rubble out and begin the construction on the wall. And chapter 3 is the process of the building. I think it's really interesting um, when he was talking about the enlisting, you know, verse 17, come let us, everybody say, let us, mm -hmm. look at one another. <laughs> that was good. Very I good. Love it. I but love just it. take a moment, look at it at one another yeah. and say, let us. Yeah. We are better together. Mm -hmm. What God's called you to do as overflow and a corporate mm -hmm. body isn't going to be a few people. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be five people. It's not going to be Stephanie and Jesse and Jessica and Lauren and Angel and, you know, no, 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 no. Everybody say it again. Let us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, as a mom and dad of the house, are calling you forth. Yeah. Yeah. We are calling you to have a let us. <laughs> Hear it overflow. I need you to say it again. Let us. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to take in the house. Let it, us. Everybody has something to give. Absolutely. There's not anybody who can't do something. It doesn't mean that it's equal giving necessarily, but it is equal sacrifice. And this is where every one of us can have a part to play. And it doesn't matter how large or how small because we're not measuring those things. God's just saying, come along with me and watch what I can add to you to make this thing happen. Right. So as we look at chapter 3, it, mm -hmm. talks, it starts talking about all the people. In fact, the very first thing that's mentioned is that the priests started building this area in front of their you know, where they, so the, the people who were the leaders, the, the priests there started the work. And then there were, it, it goes all through listing all different families. Take and, some time today to yeah, read it. Fathers and sons. And it talks about people who were, you know, goldsmiths that were building a certain part. There were others where it said, you know, this guy and his daughters were building this section. And there was a perfumer that was actually in there working. It talked about somebody else from the outside of the area that actually came in which means that God actually doesn't limit just to a place. He will bring whatever you need from wherever it is yeah. to actually begin to rebuild. Yeah, in your life and in the thing that you love, that God's calling you to, to, to go and to restore or to build, you're not going to do it just on your own. He's going to bring you people you didn't think you needed. Mm -hmm. He's going to bring you people you didn't think were interested in walking with you or helping you or being a part of your journey. Isn't that true? Okay. He is going to bring you, I, I just feel like there's a word I want to drop into your heart and mind, hmm. cross-pollinating. <laughs> yeah. And this is personally and corporately. I think it's really easy to get in a vein of thinking, oh, this is who we are. This is our culture. This is what we look like. And this is, this is our whole thing. And if you do that, you can become a dead sea. You need cross-pollinating. As we've moved from Reading to North Carolina, we are now connecting with a whole different spiritual demographic than what we've been connecting with for the last 30 years. Yeah. 
And it's been challenging. It has challenged my faith. It has challenged my thinking. It has challenged my values. It's broadened me. It's caused me to increase and grow in tolerance and acceptance and, and, and actually valuing and understanding, wow, these guys have a wealth to contribute to our life even though they don't look like us. All right? So keep that mindset of, of God's going to bring to you people and, and, and resources that don't look like you. I think it's interesting, you know, in, in every society, in every, we've got interesting people all around us all the time. And the rallying call went out, and all these people responded. And it says that they had a heart to do the work. So they really pulled together and were doing the things they were doing. But one little small phrase says, the nobles over here, decided they weren't going to do it because they felt it was beneath them to get their hands dirty in this way. Mm. You know, we all deal with sometimes mindsets that feel like, well, what's the big deal? It's kind of like a, well, what's the word I'm looking for? What Entitlement. That's it. There are sometimes He was afraid people, to say it. No, no. There, were, <laughs> there, there are sometimes where we have this kind of mindset. And actually, that entitlement mindset can strike any of us at different times. Yeah. You know, we get in, work, 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 and all of a sudden, you go, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's just not Below what I'm me. doing. It's like, no, God's just saying, whatever you need, whoever you need, we'll bring them there. We'll see it right. done. So we want you to remember chapter four is all about the, the resistance. You're going to mm. have resistance. Yep. But what did Nehemiah do in the midst of resistance? He prayed and he watched. Kept his eyes open and he prayed. The second thing he did was they recalibrated their current strategy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. If you find in the journey that you're at, whatever it is that you, where, where, whatever it is you're building, wherever it is you're going, that you're stuck, it's time to recalibrate. If you're experiencing resistance, mockery, if you're experiencing doubt, unbelief, it's time for recalibration and a new strategy. Doesn't mean the vision changed, because it doesn't. The vision's the same. Right. Where you're going is the same, but sometimes you need to adjust along the way. In fact, the interesting thing there is there was even a part in the construction that says that all the wall was finally connected all the way around about half its height, so it wasn't done yet. But they had done a lot of work, and now it was all connected, and the people were just wearing out. It's like, we don't know what to do. We're so tired. Actually, there's now a whole bunch of new rubble around, and we just don't have room to... Listen, any of you that do construction know that as you are constructing, you actually develop more trash. (laughs) And so you have to not just clean up one. You're not just fixing a problem once in your life. This is a lifestyle of working and clearing rubble and keeping it clean, building some more, clearing it out, not letting things accumulate that will now stop you from continuing your job. And the key thing that we want to leave with you is that he stayed focused. Yeah. Nehemiah didn't lose sight of the thing he loved. He was willing to pay a price. He was willing to sacrifice He was willing to do the thing that was uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. not convenient. Um, Lance Wall now has made the statement years ago, and I want to, Steve was just 
this morning as we were just talking and praying, he said, man, we got to pull in that Walt Lance quote. He says this, your passion and your purpose are so intricately connected that what you love and what you hate both reveal the work you must do. Wow. In fact, what you hate is the key to the miraculous. How so? Because what you hate reveals the problem you are called to solve. When what you love is hurt, it causes grief. Grief reveals what you are called to heal. And notice when hate and love and grief converge, it produces a powerful alchemy. Compassion is created. Every account of compassion in the life of Christ is followed by a manifestation of miraculous power. This is what we saw in Nehemiah. He was filled with compassion Mm -hmm. and he experienced the miraculous. And we felt really led to just say over you, Jessica and and Jesse, over the house, but over you specifically, God gave you a revelation Mm. of this house. He gave you a revelation of a work. He gave you a burden for a place and a people Mm. and a region. Compassion filled you. Your heart was open to all that God wanted to bring to you in in order to accomplish that. And along the way, you've been met with some resistance. Mm -hmm. A couple times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some naysayers. And maybe even it's felt like um, resistance from the inside. We, we, We can have resistance can come from the inside and from the outside, from all sides. But we want to remind you, you and Jessica, you have the favor of heaven. Yeah. You have access to the king. You do. And everything he has. In his kingdom. Is available. You lack no authority. Mm. You lack no provision. You lack no wisdom. You lack no people. Everything you guys need to build the work that God's given you to build, you have access to. He's going to give you wisdom and how to clear whatever rubble gets accumulated. I just see, even as we've been here, you guys are walking in a level of authority you were not walking in the last time we were here. That's right. You're walking in a level of compassion, self-awareness, confidence, determination and that's not because it's been easy or it is easy no it's because you have a love you have a revelation so don't be afraid to take time to recalibrate you guys need to make sure that you allow time for Jesse and Jessica places and spaces to recalibrate Vacation is wonderful, mm-hmm. but that's vacation. <laughs> I'm not talking about just vacation. Y'all need provisionally, financially, time-wise, help with their kids, 
to give them space so their marriage can recalibrate. The health of their marriage is going to flow over into health in your marriage. That's right. If you help take care of them, they're going to be able to serve you in a way that, that you mm. only ever dreamed of. Yeah. So that That's means right. That's right. That's a good word. You have actually. to accept the help, yeah. bro. So we just That's release <laughs> over you, son. That's a good word. And daughter. Yeah. We release yeah. over you, Jesse and Jessica. Yeah. Thank you, Father. I just feel like the Lord wants mm. to give you a new mantle. <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> oh. And it's called easy. <laughs> Oh, that staples button. That was easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And over you, Jessica, (laughs) an easy button. That was easy. (laughs) Thank you for bringing their new children's staff. Thank you for the worshipers and an increase to the worshipers in this house. Or some of you sitting around thinking, what should I do here? Um, God's got a part and a place for you, what you're to, to be a part of building. Thank you, Lord. And as a father and a mother to the house, we do see the increase that's already happened. And we just want to say that we bless that increase. God sees it. He actually knows yet what's ahead. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not just them that has access. Everyone in the body has access to what the kingdom has. Yeah. Just remember that quote. It's very important. The thing you love and the thing you hate. Yeah. Just... Position your hands. Mm. God's already done so much this morning. That freedom thing. Some mm. of you, it's like you, you got 90% there. <laughs> mm. And just by the hearing of the word, faith is arising up in you. Yeah. So we just release it over every one of you right now. Mm. An increase of compassion for the thing you love. Yeah. Strength and endurance for the resistance. Yeah. Father, thank you for taking the scales off of their eyes to see the favor they have. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Lord wants you guys to know, even though the building for overflow is tucked back in off of the street, you won't be missed. Yeah. Yeah. You have more favor in the city than you actually know. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Father. Yeah, we just say thank you, Father, right now. Mm for unlocking mindsets that are stuck, oh, belief systems, right now. To see what you see, to know what you love, know to love what you love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hope arise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I just see the sails of of this house hmm. fully upright and the hmm. wind of God blowing through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The power you need to move forward isn't, isn't going to be something you're going to do because you're rowing hard. <laughs> it's keeping your sails up. And, and Holy Spirit, the wind of God blow through and actually propel you forward in what he's called you to do. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Father. you, Father. We bless Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, Overflow. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.